It's February 26, 2014, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's technology. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa, and we cover the Geek Beat here on Hawaii Public Radio. First, we'll look at the latest tech news and happenings in Hawaii and beyond. And joining us today is Robbie Melton and Len Higashi from HTDC, both here to tell us about the upcoming Entrepreneur's Day over at the Capitol. Finally, we'll get a chance to talk to three new companies launched at the first startup weekend of 2014. We'd, of course, love your questions and thoughts as part of the conversation. Be ready to call in or tweet. But first, the headlines. Well, construction on what would be the world's largest ground-based telescope could begin as soon as this summer, with last week's approval of a critical ground lease by the University of Hawaii Board of Regents. The board vote on Thursday was 15 to 1 to approve the use of the land atop Mauna Kea for the 30-meter telescope, paying $300,000 per year during construction and $1 million per year when it becomes fully operational. With operations expected to begin in 2022, the TMT would be the 14th telescope on the mountain summit. The sole vote in opposition came from the Board of Regents student representative, Jeffrey Acido. And the TMT project still faces other hurdles. That same day, a hearing was held at the Third Circuit court in Hilo over a Department of Land and Natural Resources permit that was granted to the project in 2011, even though a contested case challenge was filed by telescope opponents. Well, the challenge was put to rest the following year, but a coalition of environmental and Native Hawaiian culture groups nonetheless filed an appeal last uh, May, arguing that the permit application should have been held up until after the contested case hearing was held. The TMT has been in the works for more than a decade with Mauna Kea chosen as the site back in 2009, a partnership among agencies in Hawaii, California, Canada, uh, China, Japan, and India, and uh, with the total project expected to cost around $1 billion. Now, of course, we've been following the uh, TMT, and it's going through a, sort of its uh, series of, of fits and starts. But uh, this is a, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm not surprised that the Board of Regents uh, approved this. I'm, of course, I guess the, the the student representative didn't get the memo. Well, it's it's always good to have you know a, a good debate, um, and it was interesting that, be, that at the same time they were doing the case the the case in Hilo, where mm-hmm. so that's still pending. And in fact, as I think with the men- we mentioned the last time we covered the TMT, the TMT board is trying to get involved in a Maui case in which a permit there was dismissed because again of the the arrangement and the order in which that permit was provided. So uh, still, you know, the final chapter hasn't been written, but a million dollars a year, um, over 80% of that going to the Office of Mauna Kea Management, the rest of it going to OHA. Uh, so we'll keep you posted for mm-hmm. sure. Two weeks after a diverse group of business people, scientists, and hobbyists testified on a Hawaii State Senate bill that would have limited the use of unmanned aerial vehicles to law enforcement, the University of Hawaii at Hilo has received authorization from the FAA to use drones for research. The Hawaii Tribune Herald reports that UH Hilo was granted a Certificate of Authorization, or COA, from the agency to use drones as part of a program to assess the health of the endangered native wheelie wheelie tree. Well, the project still requires a permit from the Hawaii um, Experimental Tropical Forest administered by the State Department of Land and Natural Resources and the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Forest Service Institute. Once approved, UH Hilo uh, faculty will work with the DLNR to study the Willy Willy tree. Limited to experimental forest areas on Hawaii Island, Nick Turner, a UH Hilo graduate turned geospatial analyst for the university, told the Tribune Herald that the FAA approval 
uh, was eight months in the making. The FAA approval is the first for a university in Hawaii, although other academic institutions here have applied for their own certificates. Along with the proposed Hilo International Flight Center, UH Hilo is meanwhile working to establish aviation-related courses at the school. The Nature Conservancy was one of several groups that testified against Senate Bill 2608 as it works with the DLNR and foresees using drones to monitor and protect native forests. Senator Clayton He, who introduced the bill, has promised amendments to allow for the use of drones by parties outside of law enforcement. Now, you know, talking to uh, uh, Ted Ralston, the FAA approval uh, you know, with UH Hilo is an important thing because it helps to let's say, speed up the process by which you can go out there and, and uh, fly, fly you know, a, a, an unmanned aerial vehicle for these kinds of purposes. So uh, instead of having to go through the whole process, and if you do, uh, let's say, take a chance, then you may run the risk of getting a $10,000 fine. Right, and as we mentioned, Hawaii is a FAA drone research site, but that's a much longer program in terms of developing regulations and practices and policies for them. So you will need a COA in the meantime to do anything other than hobby, hobby flights. Right. But uh, we will be talking about drones and issues like these at the unconference and more on that later for sure. And then uh, if anybody is following SB 2608, it has uh, passed uh, Clayton He's uh, a committee, and it's in uh, sort of the process of crossover right now. Mm-hmm. Next up, Hawaii Oceanic Technologies, a company developing open ocean fish farming technologies, announced that it has received an Australian patent for its Ocean Sphere fish farming systems. It is the latest in a series of international patents granted to the company. Company CEO Bill Spencer, who recently left his post as president of the Hawaii Venture Capital Association to focus more on his business initiatives, says that real-world uh, real testing of its ocean spheres is ready to go once fundraising is complete. Hawaii Oceanic Technologies got the U.S. patent for its 160-foot diameter cage designs in 2011 and immediately gave notice of its plans to file for patents in other countries. The Philippines gra- uh, granted its patent first, followed by Canada last year. Those countries, along with now Australia, were among the first nations that were targeted by the company due to established aquaculture industries there. Patent filings are still pending in Japan and the European Union. Well, Spencer's position, uh, Spencer has positioned his company's technologies as key to ensuring the sustainability of the seafood industry. Many regions have reached capacity, he says, while an array of 10 ocean spheres covering less than half a square mile of open ocean can produce as much as 24,000 tons of seafood per year. Spencer said in a statement, this patent is an important value-creating milestone for the company and a hallmark of our strategy to license, joint venture, and sell our technology to, technologies to a global marketplace. Now, you know, we've been, uh, we're good friends with uh, Bill Spencer, and we've sort of followed uh, this, this um, path of, of developing the company Hawaii Oceanic Technologies. And I got to hand it to him. I mean, he's been working on this for probably the better part of the last 10 years. I would say he was probably one of the first dozen or show, so shows we did when we started this show, mm-hmm. and he's still working toward that demonstration. He does have the permit, a uh, 247-acre lease off the Kohala Coast, and he wants to do 12 spheres there. That's basically 6,000 tons of tuna per year, but it's more of the fundraising side for sure. Uh, it's not, of course, a, a project without it. Its concerns and critics. People are worried about uh, his uh, supposition that by doing it in the open ocean, that the ocean will carry away all the waste and it will not cause any damage. Um, he is required by the permit to do water monitoring and things like that. But once again, another story that uh, you'll continue to hear us. Yeah, and you <clears throat> well, yeah, I, I I think we'll probably just have Bill come on and talk about you know what the How's challenges are. 
This week, Hawaii is hosting the world's largest international assembly of ocean scientists, engineers, and policymakers and students. The Ocean Sciences Meeting started Monday at the Hawaii Convention Center and runs through Friday. This 17th biannual meeting has drawn nearly 5,000 attendees, and its sessions and presentations have generated a stream of science headlines. Researchers from across the state are representing Hawaii and the leading oceanographic and marine science that's taking place right here in the islands. Well, this year, for example, marks the 25th year of sustained marine observations at Station Aloha, an open ocean field site, and scientists working at the site are in the uh, meeting sharing biological, chemical, and physical oceanography discoveries deriving from Hawaii's unique ocean science field programs. Uh, The Station Aloha sessions include more than 25 presentations drawing from observations from present day to back all the way to 1988, uh, including long-term changes and trends observed in ocean biology, chemistry, and physics. Meanwhile, UH Manoa geology professor Chip Fletcher and his team described their effort to monitor and evaluate beach erosion, erosion rates at the Royal Hawaiian Beach in Waikiki. One year after a major sand replenishment program, the beach width still appears to vary by location and by season, resulting in net erosion in eastern and western portions of the beach. And International Pacific Research Center scientists Jan Hafner and Nikolai Maximento present the latest synthesis of modeling and observations over three years of tracking the debris drifting across the ocean following the Japanese tsunami disaster. The improved ocean drift models, they say, will help locate marine debris marine animals, and people lost at sea. Now, this is uh, a pretty, I guess, uh, recognized conference that uh, that uh, is happening here. And, of course, you know, what better place to have this uh, than in Hawaii with all the research going on in uh, in our oceans? And I think uh, even the Center for Microbial Oceanogra- Oceanography uh, and Research and Education, which we've had on the show, Seymour, yeah. uh, did something with uh, the um, hosted a youth Science Symposium yesterday. Right, it's not, yeah, it's not specifically just hard science as well. You have uh, SOAS talking about their program specifically to recruit Native Hawaiians into the sciences and um, things directed at uh, grades 9 through 12, high school students, mm-hmm. to get them interested in pursuing STEM careers. So it's a wide range, but again, a very large conference and uh, one that certainly showcases the good work that happens here. Well, I, I can imagine that this be kind of an annual event because there's so much going on here <laughs> with, with regard to the ocean. Uh, and finally, in the news... Hawaiian Telecom yesterday announced that it would be um, offering what it describes as Hawaii's fastest internet with speeds of up to 500 megabits per second. Starting next week, customers in fiber-connected service areas will be able to sign up for 100, 300, and 500 megabit plans for $95, 200 or $300 per month, respectively, plus tax. Mm. Uh, one differentiator uh, may be upload speeds ranging from 20 to 50 megabits per second, several times the standard offerings from Oceanic. Well, if you're a content creator, uploads is almost important. Well, uh, and, you know, nowadays with uh, the ease of, of um, uh, taking videos and, and creating content, I think people are, uh, maybe they don't even realize it, but they become content right. creators. Uh, of course, now joining us in the studio is uh, Len Higashi and Robbie Melton. Of course, um, Robbie, I want to first uh, congratulate you for being the uh, announcing the new as, as being the new CEO for uh, the High Tech Development Corporation. Oh, thank you very much for having me on the air. Yeah, we know you're uh, still getting settled and meeting with the community, so we're definitely going to have you back in a few weeks to talk mm-hmm. more in depth about your vision for the HTDC. But thank you, especially and Len as well, for joining us today to tell us about specifically an upcoming event. Well, so the um, upcoming event that we're thinking about is what's happening next Wednesday, which is actually 
like right before the radio show, so we <laughs> is the we best time to, to announce it, it right? Yeah. Is the is Entrepreneurial Day, which happened last year, and it was a pretty pretty fun event. I mean, it was an interesting, from my observation, you know, we've always been trying to pitch um, sort of a tech tech day uh, at the Capitol, but with the sort of combination of a lot of um, different industries all participating under the umbrella of Entrepreneur Day, I thought I thought it was kind of a great bringing together of a, a, a bunch of different. Uh, um, sectors in the marketplace. But uh, Robbie, maybe you can share a little insight into Entrepreneur Day from your vantage point. Yeah, it's really exciting. This year we have uh, over 100 companies coming this year to participate. And it's a wide range of mostly a lot of tech companies are coming. We have supporters of tech companies going to be exhibiting. And then we have a whole creative media floor. Mm-hmm. So we actually have three floors this year, which is really exciting. Um, and we really want to show the legislators how important entrepreneurs are to the Hawaii economy and why it's so important for them to support it. And it's just not the tech industry, but small business in general. Mm-hmm. And what is the range of these uh, exhibitors? When you say Entrepreneurs' Day, you're thinking maybe you know individuals trying to change the world, but there are some companies, even established companies, that are going to be participating well. So you know, um, how how great is that diversity that will be represented? Oh, it's a it's a big diversity. Some companies are already venture backed have a lot of uh, funding with them, and then there's some of the smaller companies just getting launched. So it's a wide range uh, of industries, too. So we're really excited to have them all on board. Good. Uh, you know, I know this is this sort of happened uh, prior to your, your coming on board, so I'll ask Lynn this. Um, how did, Lynn, how did you guys go out there and, and get a hold of all these companies? Oh, we just put the call out to uh, call to action, mm-hmm. and we invited companies to come down and celebrate with us. Uh, let legislators know that there's a vibrant community here, passionate about doing it in Hawaii. And the entrepreneurs came back in force and said, yeah, let's let's do this. So last year it was a great event, and, and we have the same excitement and momentum coming into this year. Mm-hmm. So it made it really easy. So did you um, did you go and, let's say, solicit any of the, the like the blue startups uh, uh, folks? Absolutely. Uh-huh. I mean, the— the whole point here is that this is a community, and there's a big, uh, growing community of entrepreneurs and high-growth businesses, and we always look to, to celebrate, look for chances to show off, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, Robbie, although the uh, the legislators are certainly the audience that are trying to demonstrate the vibrancy to, um, this is a public event, and if anyone's interested in some of the things that are happening, they're welcome to come to the Capitol on Wednesday? Oh, certainly, yeah. We welcome anybody to come and check, and it's also a great way for the companies to network within themselves. Because a lot of times, as you know, when you're running your business, you don't have time to meet other companies. So this is a great nexus to bring everyone together, to just meet each other and to see all the different resources available. So we certainly want anybody who's interested in learning what the tech community is about to come down. Yeah, you know, the last year, I remember uh, walking through that. And, you know, I, I just don't think that there's enough time to actually spend by you know walking and visiting all of them, I remember seeing the guys at Snap Zoom, and you know once you start s- stopping at one, you want to talk to everybody along the path, and pre- pretty soon you know your whole lunch hour is is taken up. Um, give us some uh, maybe some examples of some of the companies that you know of that might be showing up. Uh, there's there's a there's a number of repeat performers mm-hmm. from last year, as as you mentioned, Blue Startups is an exciting company. Uh, we're we're really excited to have Hawaiian Cool Water there. Autism Training Solutions, uh, Dev League, which is a new coder school. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the ones that are closest closest to us at the Mano Innovation Center. Uh, but 
besides that, there's a lot of interesting uh, high-growth companies which aren't necessarily tech, some, some of which are like the Cut Collective, exciting young group of uh, you know, fashion uh, accelerator mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to be it's going to be fun. And it's Good. going to be a lot of people. And it was as as mentioned. There's the creative media side as well, um, and that's also a growing and vibrant community here in Hawaii. Now, Robbie, I certainly think and look forward to being able to have a longer conversation with you about the HDD and such. But you do bring a great deal of experience working with even a similar organization on the East Coast, trying to foster a tech community. And I, I really wanted to get just a quick thought from you um, arriving here and meeting the colorful people. In fact, some of the people that we're going to be having on today's show that uh, did very well at Startup Weekend. What was your initial reaction to the community and uh, its 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 health here in the island? Well, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to come back to Hawaii because I was here in the early days when tech was just getting started and booming. And so there weren't a lot of organizations out there. And then to see Startup Weekend, you know, Blue Startups, all these other organizations coming together, it's really a vibrant community. So I'm really glad to be back at at a really exciting time for Hawaii. Yeah, no, there is a whole bunch of stuff going on. And in fact, uh, Len was telling me about some of the things that he's got on tap and maybe, you know, you can share what's going on tonight. And uh, I think, uh, of course, you know, there's our event. You might, you're free to mention our (laughs) event on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a full slate of events on tap and it starts this evening, uh, 6 to 8 p.m. at at the Box Jelly. We have our Wetware Wednesday networking event. Uh, We're going to hear success stories from the Startup Weekend, which is super exciting. Uh, tomorrow night, uh, we have a new event coming online, which is the Retail Innovators Meetup. Uh, it's at Ward Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, please check out our website. You, you can find out more information. Uh, and I'm really, really looking forward to this weekend. Really? Yes. I, I, I asked specifically if I could come on the air and just say that unconference makes you smarter. And I think that's where you need to be on Saturday. I'll be there. I look forward to seeing everybody else in the audience out there. Excellent. But but Entrepreneurs Day is uh, next Wednesday. Um, are, is it completely capacity? Are all the tables taken? Um, is there any way that if someone considers themselves an entrepreneur or maybe looking to, to start or network with these people uh, that they can still participate? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think all the exhibit tables are taken. But they could certainly come in and, and just walk the floor and meet a lot of the different resources. HTDC, of course, will have a booth there. So that's the first place to start, mm-hmm. of course, you know, if you're looking to start a company. So what time does this actually kick off at the, at the Capitol? Yeah, it's from 10 to 2. 10 to 2. So okay. it gives, you know, a broad range for people who have different lunch hours to come on down um, to meet with folks. And if somebody wanted to find more information, where can they go? www.htdc.org. Fantastic. Sounds good. So we want to thank uh, uh, Robbie Melton and, of course, Lynn Higashi for joining us today. Oh, it was wonderful thank to be so here. Much. Thank you. And that's what's been happening this week uh, in uh, on the news. And uh, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by three of the companies recognized over at Startup Weekend. How did they experience starting a company in 54 hours? And what is their plan for the future? We'd, of course, love your questions as part of that conversation. So please give us a call at 941-3689 or toll-free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. And, of course, this is live, and we're monitoring Twitter, so you can tweet us your questions at Bite Marks or at Hawaii, this is Bite Marks Cafe. 
A second performance of Dylan Ask, a tribute to American songwriter and icon Bob Dylan, featuring Nahoku Hanohano Award winners John Osorio and Sonny Silva, has been added Friday, February 28th at 7.30 p.m. in HPR's Atherton Studio. Special guests include Yvonne Elliman, Sandy Sugiyama, and Willow Chang. Tickets are available by calling 955-8821 during business hours or purchase online at hprtickets.org. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hi, I'm Thomas Moore, the author of A Religion of One's Own. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about creating a personal spirituality in a secular world. Sunday morning at 11. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And joining us today is Brendan Mulligan, McKay Davis, and Chad Kahunahara. And uh, Brendan is with NameHub, whose slogan is Discover Domains, Grow Ideas. McKay, meanwhile, is with Bitcoin Hawaii and started a company called Carrot. Chad and his team created an app to crowdfund school supplies to help teachers. And, of course, let's find out what's next for these startups. And, of course, uh, we'd love to hear your questions and comments. And that number to call again is 941-3689 on Oahu or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. Brendan McKay and Chad, we want to welcome you all to Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you for having us. Thank you. We're glad to be here. Now, we will start with a little bit of um, – I'll give you guys a chance to give us a little background because I know the Startup Weekend – uh, project that you might have started isn't necessarily indicative of what you might be doing on your sort of regular time. So maybe, um, uh, McKay, you can start off with letting us know kind of what you normally do. Well, outside my Bitcoin life, I'm a mm-hmm. full-time programmer for uh, Mackay Ocean Engineering, mm-hmm. uh, and I just work on uh, cable modeling software myself. Mackay Ocean Engineering? Yeah. Yes. Oh, excellent. Yeah, we've excellent. had them on. Right. Yeah. Uh, Brandon? Right. Uh, so I'm getting my MBA at the University of Hawaii in the Shiler College of Business, mm-hmm. and I actually work for the university as well. I do entrepreneurship advising for the College of Natural Sciences. And uh, Chad. Hi, guys. Um, I'm the founder and CEO of a company called ExperienceHawaii.com. We're building an e-commerce company and a smartphone app that makes it easy for travelers to find and book interesting activities here in Hawaii. Now, now Chad, you had mentioned that uh, you're part of the uh, sort of organizing committee or Oversight Committee of uh, Startup Weekend. Uh, maybe tell us a little bit about your involvement with Startup Weekend. I think this is the fourth time, fourth event for me at Startup Weekend. Um, I pitched a, a couple of times ago, and um, nobody joined my team. So I oh, no, I, I know that feeling. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> but that's not what it's all about. I ended up joining another team and had a wonderful experience. We came in third. Um, mm-hmm. And then from that point on, I just decided to join a startup committee and um, just help organize because it's such a great event for our ecosystem. How many mm-hmm. how many folks are on that uh, on that committee? You know, off the top of my head, I don't, I can't know exact number, but about nine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, Brendan, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Maybe I'll have you guys all share a little bit about your uh, way you got involved with uh, Startup Weekend. I know Scheidler has a Startup Weekend for um, education, but uh, uh, how did you get involved with this sort of this the startup weekend, which is more the commercial side? Yeah, well, I've always been involved in the startup community here um, since I got here about a year and a half ago, and I've been trying to get deeper and deeper into that network and that community. So, mm-hmm. uh, when I got an email from somebody saying 
the Startup Weekend thing was happening, I looked at it and I thought it was a great chance to spend more time with the community I was trying to get involved with. So I joined and uh, I'm so very glad I did. I haven't looked back and I've been very excited. Mm-hmm. Now, McKay, mm-hmm. um, I, we, we love featuring the, the winners and participants of Startup Weekends every right. time it comes around, maybe a couple of times a year, because even though the template is essentially the same, mm-hmm. the stories of the people that go through it and what they learned and what they might want to change is, is, is always different. Right. But from what I understand, at least from what I saw online, a lot of tweets, a lot of reporting, it was a, a very high-energy event. It also seemed to be one of the, the largest. Is that true? And is it easier or harder to to herd all of those cats when you have so many people at a start. Well, well, this was my first event, but it ah. was definitely very packed. And uh, pitching was, you know, it was, it was kind of nerve-wracking because it was such a large crowd. And it was definitely a full house uh, the, night, the night of the pitch. So uh, that was definitely, you know, there was a lot of energy in the room for sure. You know, it's, <clears throat> so uh, the idea of, uh, let's say, getting involved, uh, like Brendan, what you said, I'm, I'm kind of curious you know, when you get an email and says, hey, startup weekend, 54 hours, uh, you know, you're basically confined to a room with a whole bunch of people and, you know, you're, uh, in, in essence, uh, under the pressure to create a startup. Uh, is, is, is that becoming more and more of interest to a lot of people? And that's why the crowds are growing? Um, maybe, McKay, you want to? Yeah, oh, Ch- Chad here. Um, I think there's a lot of interest in, in startups in general. I mean, where are the jobs in the future going to come from? How are we going to grow our economy? The majority of new job creation in the United States and the state of Hawaii comes from companies that are less than five years old. And mm-hmm. people are realizing that. People are getting excited about taking charge of their own futures. Um, and Startup Weekend is one opportunity for the whole startup community to come together and uh, do something exciting. So, so there is kind of a trend or vibe of uh, I guess the feeling in town is that for a lot of the young people that are looking to do something, uh, it's more about perhaps the entrepreneurial path and the startup path as opposed to, okay, you know, I'm going to get my job at you know, my, this large corporation and try to hang in there for you know, the next 30 years. <laughs> you know, you know um, Hawaii doesn't have a great reputation for uh, startups, but the reality is we've been launched, we have a very uh, ingrained entrepreneurial um, history here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's so many bakeries and small businesses and construction mm-hmm. companies and nail I mean, salons restaurants and coming and going and everywhere. Uh-huh. So it's it's in our blood, and and I think now um, people are starting to come together and realize, you know, the skill sets I may have gained in, through my college education have prepared me for you know a management position in a Fortune 500 company. There's not a lot of those opportunities right. here in Hawaii, and if we want to, if we want to live here, if we want to stay here, make a life here, raise a family here, we're going to have to think innovatively about how to do that. Mm-hmm. We're talking to McKay Davis, uh, Brendan Mulligan, and Chad Kahunahana about their experiences at the first Startup Weekend of 2014 and about the startup community and culture here in the islands. If you've got a question or thought, feel free to give us a call at 941-3689 from the neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. And of course, we are on Twitter listening to the conversation there as well. Now, Brendan, and I do want to get into what your actual startups are, um, your startup was NameHub. And when I was looking and watching the pitches, uh, I I will confess my bias. I really liked yours um, because I am someone who suffers from a specific affliction. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about what NameHub is? Yes. Well, thank you. We appreciate your support. Uh, NameHub came about, uh, one of the other committee organizers, uh, Alan, had this great idea of what if you could go to one place and get your domain name and your Facebook space and your Twitter space and your Instagram space all in one spot. Um, but he wasn't able to participate, so he gave that idea to Mark and Tiffany Quesada, who I knew previously, and I 
said, you know, I trust you guys if you have a good team and a great idea. And we built, we also got uh, Jason Axelson, Sandra Mark, um, and Susie Grace on the team. And suddenly we had what we felt was like this power team, but we didn't know if there was enough in the idea just to register the domain name. So we dug in a little bit further. And we realized that in this crowd of entrepreneurs, we had all these people who registered domain names and then sat on them because they were too busy to build the idea that they had. And, you know, they'd have – we had people in the room with 200 domain names and there was just too many domain names, too many ideas, not enough time in the day. So we thought what if there's a great place that you could get together with the people in your network, in your community and share those domain names and just seeing some of those domain names that are in your network might give you some new ideas and maybe then um, you could – you know, buy, sell, and trade those ideas. And so uh, when we say discover domains, grow ideas, the idea is that you really can find, you know, the birth of a whole business or idea just in these domain names. And you need a good place to to trade those back and forth. I mean, the fact of the matter is a lot of people have the entrepreneurial spark. They have this great idea. They say, oh, it's going to be um, muffinsforcorgies.com, but they're just busy. They never build that business. But when I someone else looks at that list and says, I like corgis too, let's, let's make something happen. I, I found that really exciting because I'm one of those people who is afflicted with domain hoarding and uh, always get the idea, buy the domain name, and then sit on it for 10 years now. So Right. And you don't want to give it to just anybody. You got it because it was your special idea and that you really have an emotional connection to that concept. So if you can give it to somebody in your network and you can you know, keep tabs on that idea and know that it's going to go somewhere special and not just be sold to the highest bidder uh, somewhere down the road, you're, you're much more likely to share that idea and hopefully something will grow out of it. Now, I, I like that uh, muffins uh, for corgis. You can have that one. Yeah, that's <laughs> I'm giving one. that one to you. Do you own that one? Now, uh, <laughs> Brendan, no, when, I don't own that when the, when the original idea started to evolve, I mean, it was like a service that would try to grab muffins for corgis on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and try to do the whole, the whole thing. Yeah, I mean the concept is right. This day and age, unfortunately, you can't just have a domain name, right? Mm-hmm. You have to also have to have all use other, all yeah. these other services, and and that's a gift and a curse because you can also reach a huge clientele and you know always be communicating with your market. But it can be complicated to find all those spaces, and you go and you register a domain name, and you find out that the Facebook name is taken. Um, so if there's a tool where you can see, you know, hey, you got a green light, all four of these spaces are open on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, mm-hmm. and whatnot, you know, that adds value to that domain name. And that's certainly something that I do, and I think anyone would do, but there are lots of services that do that, namecheck.com, et cetera. Right. So I think this specific pivot and really going for the idea that you can, if you love an idea, you don't just want to put the domain on an auction that any random person can squat on. You want your friend to say, I've had that exact same idea, and I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, McKay, your background, of course, with Bitcoin Hawaiian, you love cryptocurrencies, and I still reference people to our recent show about Bitcoin. Uh, Your startup, I guess, was almost inevitable in terms of what area it would go in, but tell us about Carrot. Well, a a lot of it was influenced by some of the judges and their background in cryptocurrency. Uh, Eric Nakagawa was was a judge. And so uh, my pitch event was really... Uh, I, I wanted to do a Bitcoin app that really made Bitcoin easy for people to trade with people, more of a social Bitcoin, discover who has Bitcoin nearby. And, uh, you know, the, the team kind of formed around me. The team actually was already kind of preformed because they, they knew that they had wanted to do a Bitcoin app. And the team really wanted to do an MVP, you know, a, a minimum viable product, which we ended up actually, you know, completing uh, just because, of, you know, the wonderful talent of the whole team. And uh, it really just it became a value monitor for Bitcoin, period. And what it was is just a very elegant interface to just get the current value of Bitcoin as an introduction. And then, we, you know, we have plans to move forward with that as far as turning that into a wallet and more of a social sharing app 
with the, the, the real crux of having a good design behind the Bitcoin experience. Because right now, using Bitcoin is just, it's, it's very confusing for most everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Bert and I are still struggling with it, but it's certainly something that's on the tip of, you. I like the idea of, ooh, well, the judge loves this, so that's certainly a good to I want to explore <laughs> that just a little bit. How did the judge's interest in uh, cryptocurrency influence your kind of di- direction in the formation of, you know, Carrot? Well, well. Either way, I was going to go there pitching okay. a Bitcoin. <laughs> so that that was really kind of a given, regardless of who the judges were going to be, uh-huh. uh, whether or not you know it would have gotten third place or not. That that probably had some influence there as well. Uh, but uh, as the judges said, you know, when they announced the the prizes, they said it really was a, as far as the focus on good design. I don't even think it was really necessarily Bitcoin related as mm-hmm. much as uh, you know we had a great designer on on the team, uh, John Lewis uh, Umi Design mm-hmm. Workshop, right. uh, who. You know, just gave it a really elegant feel, and, and the slide deck and the presentation and everything like that. Just it, it flowed really well. So uh, the real, the real crux that won it was, was the design. And I would say that I got that sense. I mean, some of the startups, it's about the idea, but the website is really either thrown together. It's WordPress with stock photos and stuff. Mm-hmm. What you were really focusing on was the presentation, and it did look, it looked like it did so much more because it was such a, a well designed uh, product. Now, Chad. Uh, your startup, um, which won Startup Weekend, um, was one that I, I really enjoyed the presentation. It really resonated. And even one of the judges said before any of the judging had happened that this is something that has to be built. He just saw that it needed to be built no matter what. So tell us about uh, Green Apple. Yeah, you know, this is really it – it was so much fun to work with this team over the weekend. And it kind of just happened on a whim. I don't know, just stepping back a little bit, I don't know if folks know how Startup Weekend actually works, but on Friday night, anybody can pitch. And this year, we had a record number of pitches. Over 50 people pitched. You get about, you get 60 seconds to pitch, and it's a hard 60. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, after 50 people had already pitched, maybe more, uh, they came up to the microphone and said, anybody want to go? This is your last chance. And I was on the organizing committee. I wasn't planning on pitching. The idea had just popped into my head at a, uh, a teacher had gone up and pitched an idea earlier in the evening um, about online teacher education, and I have friends that are teachers. I leaned over and whispered the idea into into Travis Ryan's ear, and he said, you have to pitch this, and if you do, I'll join the team. And if anyone who's ever been through Startup Weekend knows, one of the hardest parts is getting talented developers on your team, mm-hmm. um, and he's a talented developer. So I pitched it, and then Shu Chen joined our team, and he's also a talented developer. So now I had no choice but to, <laughs> <laughs> but to build Green Apple. Um, we also had uh, Danny Macias and uh, Emmanuel Sarahan, so we had a great team. So you know this idea for Green Apple, um, for some reason, you know it sounds so familiar because, you know, there are we've often heard about teachers uh, having to basically spring for supplies and and whatever out of their own pocket and. You know the need for an app like this to help perhaps crowdfund uh, those kinds of uh, let's say dollars to help teachers buy resources. I mean, it's like a it's like I'm surprised nothing has happened prior to this. Well, one of the things that occurred to me, um, and you can clarify, it seemed like a registry. Like people already say, "Oh, I'm getting married. Here's all the pot, pot, pots and pans that I want," or "I'm I'm getting a new house. Here's all the pots and pans that I want." Um, it's sort of the same idea. Teachers can choose easily what supplies they need, and friends can help them buy it. That's right. That's a big part of the original idea. So Green Apple, it's a social enterprise that's building a smartphone app. It makes it easy for teachers, communities, and parents to purchase school supplies. And why that's important is because 
you know, teachers, the average salary of a teacher in terms of real dollars actually declined over the last few decades. Mm-hmm. But yet, teachers are spending $1.6 billion a year out of pocket in unreimbursed expenses just to purchase basic school supplies to teach their kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so what we did, what we thought of an idea where if teachers could walk into a store with a smartphone and scan items that they, w- that they need or to build a wish list online and then share that with their communities, and then donors could log in, and with one click, they could have those items donated and shipped directly to the school. Mm-hmm. No, that's a, that's a great idea. You know, we're talking to Chad Kahunahana uh, from uh, Green Apple and uh, McKay Davis, who started up a startup called Carrot, and Brendan Mulligan, who uh, uh, has also started uh, um the, uh, name start hub. Yeah. Name hub. Name My hub. favorite. Yeah, Come on, yeah that's right. <laughs> that, yeah, that, I can't forget the fact that it's your affliction, and that's what kind of – I think you should have called it affliction. Okay. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> anyway, name hub. Great. And we're talking about entrepreneurship, Startup Weekend, and getting your business started perhaps in 54 hours. If you have a comment or question, give us a call, 941-3689 on Oahu or one eight seven seven nine four one three six eight nine 941 from the neighbor islands. Now, you know, one of the things that each one of you have brought up is the idea of a team mm-hmm. and going into you know the event? Some people actually kind of have a team in in mind. Um, sometimes you know it's it's pretty random. From the names that you have brought up, uh, and these are people that I you know I kind of consider sort of some of the uh, sort of the mover shaker folks. And you know it's all about who's on your team and kind of creating that a team. And I'm curious, uh, uh, McKay. When when you guys sort of started to form up, I mean, how did you how did you attract those sort of key guys to jump on your guys' team? Well, I think I really lucked out compared to a lot of people. I, I pitched my my idea, and uh, the team really came came up to me pre formed almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them knew each other already. Uh, most of them from Pseudo Crew, and then they also had a few extra people on as well, uh, Kai Oba and John Lewis. And so you know. Th- the team kind of really came preformed to me, and it was really—I mean, it, it was—it was a stellar team. It was a great A team. Yeah, because uh, you know John Lewis. I mean, he's one of those guys that sort of, kind of ephemeral. You know, he kind of comes in and mm-hmm. leaves, and I think he's kind of based out of San Francisco. Yes, yes, yes. It's hard to like you know like get a hold of the guy, but if you right. can, I mean, it's right, great. right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were very lucky to have him for. And it's interesting because you didn't have that team when you went up to pitch. No, no, no. I didn't know any of these people way. beforehand. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. Brendan, how about you for domain? Hub, did you just find other people at the same addiction uh, domains anonymous meeting or something? No, actually, I had a kind of a secret plan going into it. I knew that it was going to be all about the the team because you have to spend fifty four hours with these people and you don't want anybody to go crazy and kill each other, right? So I went in and <laughs> while everybody was eating pizza and drinking soda, I kind of snuck around and shook hands and found who I thought would be you know really fun developers to work with, really cool designers to work with. Now, now, did you know any of those guys prior? I did not. So I knew huh. uh, Mark and Tiffany Quesada. I had met you know just. Socially, I attended the VC Summit in December, and I had attended when they – they're from giftminded.com, and they had spoken and done a pitch for Blue Startups, and I had listened to them do that. So I had seen them around and shaken hands with them once or twice, but not more than that. But I, uh, from what I had heard, they were really fun people to work with, and mm-hmm. I knew that they had experience in the startup world. So I grabbed onto them, and then we had uh, two great designers who, you know, were, it was the first time doing Startup Weekend, but they seemed really passionate about what they were doing, and so we got them. And, and really that was, you know, the biggest benefit of the weekend was just working no, with No, no, really what's the team. secret in trying, you know, like let's say you, you recognize them, you know they're kind of fun to work with, and then you grab them, but then doesn't the idea need to be compelling? And how did you sort of capture them to the point where maybe it's just your, your, you're so handsome and, you know, the, the, your magnetism, <laughs> but, you know – 
I had an idea. Nobody came came to me, <laughs> you know, and, it, and it was hard enough just trying to, you know, if you if you find somebody and you know grab onto them, trying to keep them was hard. So how did you keep them? Yeah, you know, I got lucky, and I can't take any credit for the idea because, like I said, Alan came up with the idea and gave it to Mark and Tiffany. Mm-hmm. So I kind of was just a parasite. I saw Mark and Tiffany; they looked like they had a good idea, and I knew they had experience, so I grabbed on, and we, you know, kind of went from there. Oh, and cool. then obviously, you know, I think the big thing is that. The idea is kind of the seed at the beginning of the 54 hours, and you would not believe how many times that changes in the first 12 hours, the first mm-hmm. 24 hours, and then you realize it's the third day and you're about to pitch and you still want to make changes and right. add ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Chad talked a little bit about how his team came together, um, but I also kind of want to hear, especially since so many of these teams seem to involve almost chance encounters, not you know, not coming in with a pre-built team, but we're going to hold that thought and get to it after our short break to continue our conversation with Brendan Mulligan, McKay Davis, and Chad Kahunahana about their new startups. And of course, uh, what are some of the takeaways uh, from Startup Weekend Experience? And we'll get to that uh, with uh, our three guests here. And of course, we'd love to hear from you. The number to call is 941-3689 or from the neighbor islands at 1-877-941-3689. This is Bite Marks Cafe. A new Hawaii-based duo called Pure Land is releasing a song and a music video with a message for teenage girls. It's an age when some girls face struggles over pressure to fit in, and Pure Land's song, The Girl I Am, is described as an anthem to reassure them that life does get better. We'll meet the author tomorrow morning at 8 on The Conversation. Women in the newsroom were a pretty rare sight back in the 1940s, much less women doing political cartoons. And many times her drawing pen was her weapon. She took on racism, taxes, and labor strikes. I'm Kai Rizdal, Jackie Orms, the first African-American editorial cartoonist. Next time on Marketplace from APN. This evening at 6, following Bite Marks Cafe. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa, and we're talking to Brendan Mulligan, McKay Davis, and Chad Kahunahana about building capacity for entrepreneurs through the startup experience. And uh, was this just a weekend experience, or are there any plans to actually launch your business? Of course, you can give us a call here if you have any questions or comments. The number here is 941-3689 on Oahu or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. And, of course, uh, you know, right before the break, we were talking about teams, and, and we wanted to give uh, Chad a little bit of uh, time to kind of share how kind of his team kind of came together. You know, I think team is a, a very important topic. Uh, if anyone has spent a little bit of time around startups, around venture capital, around angel funding, you're going to hear time and time again, it's about the team. It's about the team. It's about execution. You can't execute without a team. Mm-hmm. That's what investors are looking for. Um, so Startup Weekend is a perfect example of that. If you want to win, you got to form a great team. How do you form a great team? You have to build relationships. A lot of the time, those relationships start at v- the VC Summit, at Wet Wear Wednesdays, at uh, other at Unconference. Mm-hmm. You meet people. They see you. They trust you. And when you pitch, they say, this guy – um, you know, I want to be on his team because I know he's gonna, he's gonna, we're gonna work hard this weekend and we're gonna deliver something of quality. So, team is really important. Now, that's a that's a very good point because uh, I guess I harken back to the first startup weekend that I went to, which was the first startup weekend here in Hawaii. And of course, nobody really knew each other, and it was it was sort of a very random kind of an experience. But but one of the things I did recognize is the names that you've all brought up are people that we've seen continue to go to startup weekends. I think. 
you mentioned uh, Jason Axelson, and Jason Axelson was one of the guys that that uh, I was able to somehow you know grab onto, and and uh, I think consequently uh, he and another um, Patrick Kelly were part of my team, and we actually got third place. So it is really all about all about the team. Now, Brendan, mm-hmm. you said it was your first. Um, so, I mean, sorry, uh, McKay, you said it was your first. So my my my, my the first thing I want to ask is, you know, was it? Everything you expected, better than you expected. Did you come out of there kind of bruised and battered? Are you um, going to go uh, back? All of the above. It, okay. it was it was more than I expected, and I came out bruised and battered. I mean, it was it was overwhelming. Uh, it was a lot of work, and you know the team really pulled through. But you know it was a great experience, and I would definitely go again next year. Now that, that's an interesting thing because I think I want to ask you both about you know uh, going again. I'm, I'm sure Chad is going to go again, but as 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 it being your sort of your first time. Having gone through sort of like this 54-hour marathon, I mean, you're just basically staying up for pretty much the entire 54 hours. But mm-hmm. you now want to go again. And what would that uh, that subsequent experience be? What would you be looking for when you go to the next startup weekend? Oh, that's a good question. I haven't even thought that far ahead. I mean, it really, just going back a little bit, what it has really done is it's inspired me. And, and it's really given me a lot more confidence to move forward with a lot of my ideas and to really develop mm-hmm. and, and try to develop that network and whatnot. Mm-hmm. As far as, you know, what I'm going to do next time, it's kind of up in the air. Because this last time, you know, I'm, I'm a developer, but I didn't actually spend any time developing this last time. I was really more kind of the concept and, you know, the business and the pitch guy. Uh, so I think next time I go in, I'm going to really kind of look for, you know, uh, maybe the business and the pitch guy so I can be a developer, maybe switch up roles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we um, well, actually we're talking to all the Startup Weekend. Uh, uh, I want to, you know, I, I guess I want to say winners, but, you know, everybody's kind of a winner mm-hmm. <laughs> at Startup <laughs> Weekend. Uh, Chad Kahunahana, we're talking to uh, 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 Brendan Mulligan and uh, McKay Davis, and uh, we're talking about entrepreneurship and the Startup Weekend experience. And, of course, if you want to give us a call, the number here is 941-3689 or from the neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. We want to welcome Michael from Kapolei to Bite Marks Cafe. Welcome to the show. Hey, how you guys doing? Good, good. Good. You know, I, I, uh, I've, I've attended a lot of makerspaces and hackerspaces over the years. And, uh, you know, when I first came to Oahu, uh, you know, I got it, I kind of got to see the startup scene and, I attended my first startup weekend just recently. I think mm-hmm. with the same people you're talking to now. Oh, okay. And uh, you know that that it was amazing. Uh, some of the stuff I saw there, and just you know, I've I've always kind of been a you know a developer and kind of a you know tinker and a hacker. But just to see someone, you know, just people try and give you the set of skills you need to to turn that into something that you could turn into a livelihood or a business or something was just just awesome. I mean, I learned so much while I was there. So you know, I was so- really busy trying to do my own thing, but. I just wanted to add that to the conversation too, no, that's, just that's just cool. to kind of thank everybody and just kind of for all the for all the people out there, kind of like me, like technical people. Just if they're listening now, like you should definitely attend a startup weekend. So, so Michael, you you know you you uh, you said that it was kind of an awesome experience, and I, I gather from what you just said that 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 sort of awesome experience was basically the the camaraderie and the support that uh, you know that whole environment provided for people that participated. Is that is that true? Yeah, yeah, and and just to just to go there and see people do like some people were obviously more experienced. I mean, that was my first startup weekend, but just to go there and see the people in action was just enough to to, to realize that you know, there's something there and there's something that I need to you know keep focus on and and kind of keep paying attention to what's going on with all these startup weekends and and just the startup scene in general. I didn't know much about it at the time. Great. Well, thanks for the call, Michael. All right, no problem. Yeah. 
And we now want to welcome uh, Mondi from Kaka'ako. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, guys. I just wanted to say I was really impressed. I actually attended part of the start of weekend, mm-hmm. and I was really impressed by all the different teams. And I had a question for the group. Sure. Um, what, especially for the veterans, what um, increase have you seen in the amount of social enterprises as far as startup weekend goes? And have you seen an increase? And have you seen an increase in quality? And if you could also help explain what social entrepreneurship is. Okay, good, good question. Uh, so maybe Chad, I think that's probably a good one for you in terms of the uh, social entrepreneurship. Uh, has have you seen an increase in that kind of activity as a result of Startup Weekend? You know, I, I think um, the model for social enterprise, where it's a mission-driven organization that's primary source of funding from commercial activity, is something that's really grown. Um, you have companies like Warby Parker and Tom Shoes and other types of businesses launching. You know, Green Apple is structured as a B corporation. It will be a social enterprise. It's mission-driven. Um, we want to increase access to education by providing basic hard goods, access mm-hmm. to those. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to derive revenue by helping to lower the cost of school supplies, by aggregating the orders of classes and, and schools and school districts and having vendors bid those prices down, right, and making a cut of the spread and making it easier for parents to shop um, for school supplies, having all the school supplies shipped directly to the school. So, um, you know, this time around, I think there were several social enterprises that were pitched. I don't remember all of them, but uh, there was a something about uh, copywriting and changing that. There was a, a thing about a, a water, making water and some other social enterprises. Mm-hmm. I think that as a concept for a basis for a business, I've really seen those kinds of ideas grow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and I think we want to. Um, I want to ask you guys uh, this other question later on uh, after we uh, go to our next caller. But uh, the idea of actually. You know, forming the company because once you form the team on a startup weekend, doesn't necessarily constitute the actual business team that might go forward. So, want to uh, get to that question, but I want to welcome Will from uh, Tantalus to Bite Marks Cafe. Welcome to the show. Hey, you guys. Hi. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was one of the mentors for the uh, Dive Portal uh, guys, mm-hmm. and um, so my question is, you know, Hawaii's got a lot of challenges for startups. Um, you know. Uh, geographic isolation, uh, lack of late-stage funding, um, uh, and I'm wondering what's being done to uh, kind of, um, you know, use Hawaii's unique, you know, position uh, to its advantage. And the only thing I can think of, one thing I can think of is, like, you know, get, you get these guys like Larry Ellison, the founder of AOL. You get a lot of big technology uh, and other entrepreneurs through Hawaii, but we don't tap into that. A resource. So my thinking is, if we could tap into these guys who vacation here, they'd love to be part of uh, something uh, uh, in Hawaii. Well, that's a that's a really good point, Will. And uh, uh, Chad has already raised his hand, and I think he has a comment to add to that. You know, he hits on a very important point. Um, I've been volunteering on the steering committee for Startup Hawaii, which is part of the Startup America and the Up Global Network, for a couple of years. I think that um, you know. We're, we're actually, we feel like we're at a disadvantage being out here, but I've traveled to some of these startup summits uh, around the country, and I meet teams from Startup Iowa, and they have challenges that are more difficult than our startup Nebraska. At least we have people with the know-how and with the pocketbook that, that want to come to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And there are things that are happening. The VC Summit was a perfect example of bringing those folks to the table. Uh, the panels were excellent, talking about late-stage funding. The reality is the money is there. Everyone talks about the financing. But if you have good ideas, you have good execution and great team, it, the money will find you. Mm-hmm. It will. And, you know, we're trying to recruit some folks to our team right now. Green Apple is looking for a very talented user experience, user interaction, interface designer to add to our team. Um, when we won, George Kellerman from 500 Startups came up to me and handed me his card and said, if you build this company and I urge you to build it, I'll fund you. And we've had angel investors approach us since then and say, we will introduce you to a venture capitalist. We will take you on a roadshow. We will help you craft your pitch. We will help you mentor you into 500 startups, an accelerator program mm-hmm. in California if you want to do this, if you want to be serious mm-hmm. about it. And when, as we look out and try to recruit talent, you know, we have to leverage the resources that we have. We, you know, we can't ask people to take less money to come to Hawaii. We can pay them the same amount and say you can come live in a beautiful place uh, with access to all this wonderful natural mm-hmm. ecosystem here. Uh, and I think that's what we're trying to do and uh, use to our advantage. But that was, you know, a, that, was, that was a good question, though. We, uh, thank you for that. And when you talk about raising funding and finding the team that you want to build for, that kind of gets us to Bert's question, which is uh, for your individual startups, is was this a exercise in doing something cool in 54 hours, or is it going to move forward? Green Apple, I think, especially from the reception that it got, is something that could be built and will be built. But Brendan, how about NameHub? I still like going in there and looking at domain names, but it costs money to run that server and such. So is that something you're pursuing and move, taking further? Yeah, NameHub right now is kind of taking a backseat. Unfortunately, um, all of the people on our team are naturally kind of go-getter people, and they've already got their own successful projects going on right now. Tiffany and Mark do GiftMinded, and and um, we've got Sandra's a student like myself, and uh, Susie's already a, a busy designer. So it's a little bit hard to dedicate ourselves full-time to this, but it's fun for us to still go in every day and see, oh, hey, look, we added another user. We mm-hmm, added 10 mm-hmm. more domains. And and through that process, we add little features that people request on f- our Facebook page, and we do bug fixing here and there. So, you know, it's taking on a little bit of a life of its own, and we'll just kind of have to see where it goes as our schedules free up a little bit. Oh, good, good, good point. And um, okay, how, what's uh, what's going to happen? I guess to Carrot. I, I think it's a lot in the same boat as NameHub. Even uh-huh. you know, a, a lot of the people on the team are very talented, but they also have you know their full time jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, John's back in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and the rest of the pseudo crew team. You know, that they, they have their own jobs. So uh, it's really it's inspired me to kind of start up my own projects as well. But uh, Carrot itself is probably basically where it's at. You know, I think, uh, and, and kind of going back to Will's question, uh, you know, this is really all about sort of building an ecosystem mm-hmm. of of startups, entrepreneurs, you know, the experience, the talent. Uh, and then there are other organizations, we've covered them here on the show, whether it's uh, Blue Startups or, or you know, some of the... Um, Energy uh, Accelerator. Right, the and high capacity and the funding that uh, people like Carl Fuchs are getting. And, you know, there are paths that people can take and I think Startup Weekend is is one um, starting path that that gain you can gain experience, you can gain uh, contacts, and and just sort of go through that fifty four hour experience. But you know there are other things happening here in Hawaii that I think is very encouraging for that entrepreneur that that has potential follow on funding that that might be coming up uh, you know later on. Now, Chad, you know in terms of your team now, you know with getting the encouragement from some of the folks that attended. Uh, to perhaps fund you, you know, take you on the on the a road show. What's going to happen? Let's say with uh, how do you go about, 
let's say, selecting the people that now transition from the Startup Weekend team to your actual business team? How do you sort of weed through that the, that process? Yeah, that's always a, um, an interesting conversation to have at the end. You know, Startup Weekend, the real goal of it is education and networking. Um, it's not necessarily necessarily um, the purpose is to start a company and launch it. Sometimes that happens. Several companies have come out of Startup Weekend and gone into blue startups mm-hmm, and then have gone mm-hmm. on to 500 startups and then have now moved to the mainland or, and, are, and are being successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we at the end, with, with the opportunities that were presented in front of us, we everyone talked and decided, you know, where are you at with your life, your family, your career? Is this something that you could dedicate you know, three months, six months, couple of years to. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've decided that the core team would be myself and Travis, Ryan, moving forward. Everyone will always be part of the original Green Apple t- team, and we'd love to have them involved. And we've had other volunteers and other engineers approach us to, to join the team. Um, I think we're trying to put together the ideal team for 500 startups, and that's an entrepreneur, uh, a core developer, CTO, and mm-hmm. then a core designer, someone mm-hmm. with the user uh, experience user interface design experience. So once we form that team, I think the next step is we'll be um, we'll be applying for the 500 jobs program in San Francisco in a few months. Uh-huh. Now, uh, if somebody wanted to follow the progress of Green Apple, is there a place they can go? A Twitter account, a, f- a website. Our website is get getgreenapple.co, mm-hmm. and our Twitter is getgreenapple. Okay. Um, yeah, and you can follow us there. And Brendan, although uh, Name Hub might still continue to chug along, what about for your main projects? Is there some place people can look you up? Yeah, of course. So, well, for Name Hub, you can uh, facebook.com slash namehubco. And we're also on Twitter and Instagram. And you'll find links to those on Facebook. Yeah, sounds good. And and uh, McKay? Uh, with Carrot, it should be in the Apple Store. I mean, we did we did finish the product over the weekend. Oh, yeah, so. and it's awesome. up on the Apple Store? I, I, don't, I don't know if it's in there yet. I need, I need to verify that, but it, I believe it's submitted. And then also I'm moving forward with uh, BitcoinHawaii.com. Yeah, no, and then we'll, we'll see you at the unconference on yes, Saturday. Yes, yes, I'll be there. Well, Brendan Milligan uh, is with NameHub. McKay Davis founded Carrot. And, of course, Chad Kahunahana is launching Green Apple. We want to thank you all for joining us today. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's great to be here. Mahalo. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we'll talk about a new created art.tech space here in Kaka'aka. And, of course, if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on BiteMarksCafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, email us at feedback at BiteMarksCafe.org. Or, of course, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at BiteMarks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chung, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich. And, of course, we leave you with our song pick of the week. Here's a Seattle band called Posse and a song called Afraid. See you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. We will do everything we dreamt about someday. I just can't think about it any other way. <laughs>